0: Hey, welcome back to the Bible in Life podcast, where we give Blue Jeans Theology to help you know God and follow Jesus. And if you're a regular listener of the show, man, thanks for being a part of the Bible in Life family. And if this is your first time listening, thanks for uh, joining us on the Bible in Life podcast. And I hope this is helpful to you and helps you grow in your faith. That's really my heart behind all of this. to provides some online resources that help people grow in their faith so they can know God and follow Jesus. So welcome glad you are here. We have been in a short series where we've been just answering questions that listeners have sent in related to the Bible, theology, and things like that. And uh, I've got a handful of questions left, but I think I'm going to take this this one question today on this episode, hold some of the other questions down uh, down the line so that we can get into some other Bible teaching and other things I want to do on the show. So I want to deal with One question, and this question's kind of grown. I think I can do it in one episode. I may require two. I'm not sure. I'm still not 100% certain exactly what all we're going to say on this episode. But the question is this. What is the church supposed to look like, and how is it supposed to function? Um, And man, that's just a big question. And I had actually written out some notes, had some thoughts on that myself, and typed down some things, posted it on social media that, hey, what's your what do you think about what the church is supposed to be like? And then I got a, a handful of responses from people on social media, and that was like, man, that opened up the door to a whole bunch of other things. And then I'm like, well, man, maybe I need to talk about this, and I should talk about that. And it just began to spiral out of control in my mind, and it became bigger. And so we'll find out exactly what comes out of this uh, this topic. Um, what is the church supposed to be like? But just to get us started, I think part of the reason this is such a difficult question for us is we have so many opinions, so many thoughts, so many ideas about what the church is supposed to be like, and some of it is really helpful and some of it isn't. In fact, I just like literally in two minutes just Went to my bookshelf and pulled off just a handful of books off my bookshelf. Here's a book called "The Connecting Church." It's it's a, I don't know a couple decades old now, but it was about how the church needs to connect, and here's a strategy for doing that. Here's a book called "Organic Church" and uh, "Growing Faith Where Life Happens" is the subtitle. There's the well-known book by Rick Warren, "The Purpose Driven Church." Here's a book by. Andy Stanley called Deep and Wide, and it's about his philosophy of a church and how can we do both those two things, a church that's both deep as well as wide. Here's one of my favorite books on the church that's uh, probably hardly anyone even knows about. It's called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, and really some great insights about what the church is supposed to be like and how to how to do that. Book by a, a friend of mine named Jim Putman called Church is a Team Sport, so we have that book. Um, Here's a book by Tim Keller called Center Church and man if you read Center Church it sort of feels like a master's class on how to do church, particularly church in urban centers around the world. Uh, a, a boatload of inf- information. Book that, again, not really well known, called The Second Incarnation and by a couple authors about the church supposed to flush out Jesus to the world so it's like the second incarnation. And that's just a few. I've got other books on other bookshelves I didn't even walk to, and there's plenty more that I don't even have myself. We just have so many thoughts and so many ideas on the church that... And, and and most of these books have some really good things to say, some really good insights. I've learned tons from them, and they're really helpful. But the fact that we have so many raises the question that I feel like we're kind of, I don't know, I'll try to figure out what does it mean to be a church. And so we're in this stage of church life, particularly in um, evangelical churches where we're like, well, maybe we should do this, and maybe we should do that, and let's try this. And so for 20, 25 years, we've been experimenting and uh, starting churches and trying new things, and, and that has made this question about what is the church supposed to be like, I think, feel weightier, feel more confusing, feel maybe a little more challenging than it used to feel. And so this particular listener to the show specifically said this this is his exact question what does the bible say about what the church should look like and how it should function and i like that that the way that question is worded because it puts parameters on it not not just what i think it should say what does the bible say and as a bible teacher bible scholar pastor and all of that in some ways to be honest with you i feel like i have more questions about that question now after 30 years of ministry than I did when I when I was in my 20s. Um, I, I felt like when I was in my 20s, man, I just knew I was more certain about many more things and I'm less certain about more things now, like questions about how we use our money in, as churches and questions about what we should spend our time and our energies on and as culture in America, particularly, becomes increasingly pluralistic. How how do we relate to culture, and what does that look like for our churches? And um, even more important is like, okay, as culture becomes more pluralistic, and as in general values have uh, degenerated it further away from just kind of classical Christian values. Well, how do we help then people live as God's people in this culture in a way that's helpful to? To this culture, and how do we overcome individualism so that we can actually be the people of God in a city set on a hill? I mean, just lots of questions that I wrestle with and I think about as a minister and a pastor and a Bible teacher. But at the same time, though there's probably more questions on some things, there's a handful of things that I'm more convinced of and more certain now than ever. And so I really love this question, and I love both parts of this question. What does the Bible say the church should look like? And what does the Bible say the church should function like? Those two parts. I really like both those parts of the question. And interestingly enough, um, when we say, what does the Bible say the church should look like? Well, I think the Bible says very little actually about that. Like, well, what should the church building look like? The Bible doesn't say anything about that. When should we have services? Well, doesn't really say what should the services be like what kind of music should we have should we have a band no band should we have lights with our services or no you know like what kind of programs do we have for kids and youth I mean, interestingly enough the bible says very little about the things that we spend most of our time focusing on as churches it doesn't say hardly anything about programs, order of services, buildings, and, and those typically are the things that first come to mind when we think of a church. When you think of a church, you think of the Sunday morning experience. And I think actually that silence in the scriptures about so many of those things should be highly instructive to us. like Because the things that we prioritize about a church just aren't priorities in the New Testament. And that should be highly instructive to us, right? Like all these things we spend so much time thinking about wrestling with, all these things we evaluate churches based on tend to be things that the Bible says virtually nothing about or says very little about, and that should be instructive to us. Like maybe we've got our priorities wrong. Maybe we should actually focus on other things. And the second part of this question um, is, well, what does the Bible say the church should function like? Well, the Bible actually has a whole lot more on that part of the question. And so I want to kind of focus there, and I want to focus on just some things that the Bible actually says about the church. And again, I don't know all we'll get through, or maybe this episode will be a little longer than some, but this is just a really big question, and I think it's really important. And obviously there's a boatload of stuff that I could say. But let's just jump in here with just, okay, what are some of the things the Bible does say that is a hundred percent clear? And I kind of want to start with the obvious that is easy to overlook, okay? And that is just the word church. That in the New Testament, written in Greek, the word for church is ecclesia in Greek. And that word probably doesn't, you know, mean a whole lot to you, but It is really important that we understand that word when we think about churches. Um, The basic idea of the word ekklesia in Greek is called out ones. It refers to people called out from two Greek words, ek and then kaleo, to call, and so called out. And typically in the Greco-Roman world of the New Testament period, it was just used for an assembly, a gathering of people or an assembly of people. It could be the assembly of the city leaders. It could be an assembly for, you know, whatever special interest group in the city, the assembly of the metal workers or whatever it is. It was used of a gathering of people. And hence, the focus of the word is on the people, not the building and not the activities that happen in the building, but the people, the gathered people. And that word then was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the community of God's people of Israel. So the assembly of God's people in the Old Testament. That's why it gets adopted in the New Testament to refer to God's people now formed together in Christ. And so when you read, say, for example, the New Testament letters, right, so many of them begin with, to the Ecclesia of the say Corinthians da 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 da, or it'll be more specific to the the church of God in Christ Jesus. It's naming the assembly. Which group of people are we talking about? There in Corinth, or there in Galatia, or there in Philippi? Which assembly of people are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the assembly of God's people in the Messiah in X city, and so it focuses on. The community called together by God uh, under Christ. And so it's not just any group of gathered people. It's an assembly of people called together by the gospel of God's love and grace and the victory uh, of Jesus won through his death, burial, and resurrection. So in a nutshell, that's what what a church is. It's a gathering of people in, in God, full of the Spirit, under Christ as King and Lord, That exists for him and for his purposes. That is the church in a nutshell. Now, what does the church do? This question, uh, the questioner, his name is John, asked, uh, well, how, what does the Bible say the church should function? How does it function? What does the church do? And in all honesty, the New Testament basically says the church has one main job. One main job. Now, there's obviously various subcomponents within that, but it has one mission, one task, one job that the church is supposed to do. What is that? Well, that that job is made pretty clear by Jesus in his marching orders after his resurrection and before his ascension. Um, Jesus gave marching orders to his apostles and, by extension, to the church. And here's our job. Our job is to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm the king of everything, king of the universe. I have all authority. Here's your job. Go make disciples. That's the job. That's what a church is supposed to do. That is everything they're supposed to do. It's not just something uh, the church does. It's everything the church does. And that's terribly important. Go and make disciples. That is not some Discipleship isn't something uh, we do as churches. It's everything we do. Go and make disciples. And then in those marching orders, Jesus tells us how to do it. How do you do it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so that's what a church does the church makes disciples. That's it. Um, and again, that we need to make sure we contrast that with so, so many of the things we often hear about churches. It's not like the church's mission is evangelism and then let's add discipleship onto that. It's not evangelism plus discipleship. It's not evangelism and then discipleship. It's discipleship. That's our job. Make disciples. And that includes evangelism baptizing people into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? There's conversion, leading people to say, I put my faith in Jesus, and then we baptize them, right? And so there's the conversion element, the evangelism element, and then there's the growing in faith and learning to obey Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So, our job is to make disciples and it has those two big components to it. Reaching people who don't know yet Jesus, bringing them to faith in Jesus, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey him. And that's our job. So how, how is a church supposed to function? Well, we are a gathered people whose whole job is to help other people meet Jesus and put their confidence in Jesus and then help them learn how to obey Jesus. And that's, that's our job. And Can I just say that uh, we, we often don't do a very good job, particularly with the second part of that. We teach oftentimes a lot of information, but giving information is not the same thing as teaching people how to obey. And we're not making disciples if we win people for Jesus and don't teach them how to obey Jesus. And so we've got to do both those parts well. We've got to As churches, we've got to be the kind of people that help draw people to Jesus, and we've got to be the kind of people who can actually help people learn how to obey Jesus because that's everything a church is supposed to do. And so, in a lot of ways, a church should be like a greenhouse for uh, confidence in and imitating of Jesus. A A greenhouse where people can grow uh, in in obedience to Jesus, grow in the character of Christ, grow in becoming like him. And so that's what a church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a place where, where people learn how to obey Jesus. Um, and so we must remember we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for Jesus. We're his people. And thus we exist for his agenda, his purposes, which is to draw people to him and teach them how to obey him um, because he's the king. Uh, Another thing that's really obvious about um, how the church is supposed to function, as that gathered people pursuing that mission, uh, another thing that's very obvious about that in the New Testament is um, that the church is supposed to operate in a one-another culture. Um, We hear in uh, today's talk about church, we hear about community, we hear about Authentic relationships, right? We hear about relational environments. We hear all these kind of catchphrases about the um, that various people like to use about we've gotta form community and we need to have you know, relational environments, we need to have this kind of, and those phrases are all fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with them. It's just that they're abstract, they're a little bit vague, and so people can infuse whatever content they like. And so what do you picture when you hear the word community? What do you picture when you hear authentic relationships, right? We can infuse whatever content we want with that. And so I like the phrase one another culture. I've been using that for a few years in a lot of uh, and church environments and some of that where our job is to create a one another culture and then we just go to the New Testament and we look at what content goes with that. And so we see all the one another's in the New Testament and that tells us, oh, that's what we're supposed to be like. That's how we interact with e- each other is in this one another culture. Um, <clears throat> the church is not a collection of individuals who gather once a week for a pep rally. It's a people. Right? That's the basic meaning of the word. It's a gathered people, a plural. It's a people, not an individual. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not individual. You, you don't exist for yourself. You don't just have your own personal relationship with Jesus, and it doesn't matter about anybody else. It's personal, but it's not individual. And that fact is both assumed and explicit in the New Testament. Look, for example, Acts chapter 2, the birthday of the church. When the church first begins, the Spirit is poured out. And when you read Acts chapter 2, you immediately see what the church is like when the Spirit fills it. Let me read you just a few verses from the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and following. It says this, So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, right, which means gathering together and doing life together, right, to fellowship, partnership, sharing is the basic idea, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their property and their possessions and were sharing it with anyone as they might have a need. And day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple because they're in Jerusalem and they're breaking bread from house to house. They're taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So you hear it right from the start, this gathering together, sharing meals together um doing life together, learning together from the apostles' teaching. So there is a one-anotherness about the church. You hear that in the New Testament letters over and over and over again in the New Testament. You hear, love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another, uh, consider one another more important than yourself. Over and over again, we hear about one another, one another, one another. Well, that's what we're supposed to be creating in the church. This people is supposed to be that kind of people. A one another culture is necessary to fulfilling the purpose and the agenda that Jesus has for his church. In fact, you hear that in one of the more Uh, dense New Testament passages about what the church is supposed to be like. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, tells us that the work of pastors is to equip God's people to live out their God-given abilities in a way that honors God and leads the church to mature humanity. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 talks about God gave some as leaders to the church, including pastors and teachers. And then in verse 12 and 13, Ephesians 4 says this, The leaders were given for the equipping of the saints, God's people, for the work of service, to serve God, to do ministry, wherever that happens, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature humanity, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The church is meant to be a place where we learn together and we help each other learn how to live like Jesus in this world and how to serve Jesus in this world, in our spheres of influence, in the places where we live. Um, So the church is designed to be a one another people who are living together that way. Well, that should affect, frankly, in our modern church experience, that should affect what we spend our money on. That should affect what we spend our time on as churches, and the fact that many churches spend the majority of their time and their energy and thus their dollars on putting together weekend services, like our best efforts in the modern church goes to putting on weekend services. Well, I think that's part of the problem. We somehow need to get things shifted around, so um, a, a fair share of our time, energy, and effort actually goes to creating a one-another culture where we're helping people grow up to the the mature humanity that's measured after the fullness of Christ. And, and so that's something that's very clear about what it means to be a church in the New Testament. Um, another, another thing that's very clear about what it means to be a, a church is that the church is supposed to be founded on and centered on the truth. It's a truth-centered people, a truth-centered gathering. And so truth is really important. And again, I think this is is really important. And so in these comments on my social media news feed from people, there was quite a bit about community, family, one anothering. And we just hit on that. that. That is central. We need to be that kind of place we just need to make sure we're that kind of place according to the one another's of the New Testament so let's live those out i would encourage you to go through and list those off and let's live those out but um, at the same time it's not just it's not just a kind of community that's kind of wishy-washy and sentimental and good feelings it's a community a one another culture that revolves around the truth and so we learn well what is truth-centered community supposed to be like. And so truth is really, really important. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3 just actually says this about the church. He says in 1 Timothy 3.15, he says that the church I'm writing to you so that you know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, a, a description of the church, the family or a household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. That Truth is central to that. In fact, that same passage in Ephesians 4 goes right on from the passage we read and talks about the importance of truth. In fact, it says that truth is the way the church grows up into maturity. It says this, let me read it to you, Ephesians 4, 14 through 15, as a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Doctrine just means teaching. So every wind of teaching, uh, which I think we have a problem with that part. Come back to that in a second. So we're not supposed to be tossed here and there by every wind of teaching and by the waves, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth Notice that speaking the truth, doing so in love, we are to grow up into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Jesus. So how does the church grow to maturity in Christ? How do we interact with one another in the church? How do we as a church act in such a way that we help people grow? Well, we speak the truth. And so truth is central to the church and to the kind of people the church is supposed to be. And so if we're going to make disciples who are increasingly becoming like Jesus and can help other people become disciples who become like Jesus, we're going to have to speak the truth in a loving sort of way, but speak the truth nonetheless so that we can grow up to maturity. And so growing up in Jesus um, happens because of the truth. And that makes sense because Jesus himself said he is the way, the truth and the life he is the living embodiment of the truth and so we look to him and we learn from him he's our teacher from whom we learn the truth and we pass that on to each other that's what it means to be the church and so man that that's just a handful of i think really big broad principles about what it means to be the church and how the church is supposed to function it is a gathered people whose purpose is to make disciples of Jesus because they're his gathered people. Uh, they do that in one another cultures as they speak to the truth to each other. That's, in an essence, what it means to be the church. Now, there's a lot more, obviously, about that. This is a massive top topic. My head's been spinning for the last four or five days about what do I I'll include in this podcast in answer to this question Uh, about the church, and we could talk about some of the images of the church, right? Like, the church is the temple of God. It's one of the major images. Well, what's a temple? Well, a temple in the New Testament world was a place where, um, and in Jewish thinking, was the place where God and man met. And so God lives among his people, not the building, their living stone. So God lives in and among his people as the place where, God and men meet. And so we're to be the intersection of heaven and earth. The church is meant to be that, right? So we can look at some of the images of the church and maybe in future podcasts we will. But in answer to this question, what does the Bible say the church is supposed to look like and how is it supposed to function? I think these three things give us really big, broad categories to help us think through what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the church? Well, it means to be a gathered people under King Jesus to declare his victory and his kingdom into the world, to do so in such a way that it draws people to him so they want to become his disciples, his followers, uh, and then we help them learn from him his truth so that they can live out his grace, his truth, and his character in their spheres of influence. Uh, And so to wrap this up, because we are quickly... Well, we're already beyond time. Um, to wrap this up, let me just point out a couple implications from these big principles that I, I just want to draw out in our, cu- our cultural context. All right, all, all of that can be done with, with or without a building. Buildings aren't bad, um, but buildings can get in the way. And sometimes we associate too much with the building. So being the church can happen with or without a building. Um, All of that can be done without a band, without lights, and a cool Sunday service. Again, those things aren't bad, and we can do that. That might be a way of drawing people to Jesus. It might not. And unfortunately, it takes so much time to do that and do that well that sometimes that's a problem. It can be done with or without a youth program. It can be done with or without political clout and cultural acceptance, and the church is quickly losing that in American culture. In other words. Being the church can be done with or without so many of the cultural trappings we've come to associate with church in the world today. And and unfortunately, we've gotten so accustomed to those cultural trappings that we spend the majority of time and the majority of our energy and the majority of our dollars off on those cultural trappings rather than on making disciples who live together according to God's one another plan in such a way that we genuinely are a city set on a hill. We are supposed to be a contrast society, a city set on a hill that says there's a different way of being human. Here's another way we can do life. We're supposed to do that in such a way that it puts Jesus' name up in light so that people are drawn to him so that they can become his disciples and we can help them learn his way and live his way in the world so they can draw more people to him so there can be more disciples. And so often we spend so much of our time and our energy and our dollars as churches on things other than that or things that don't directly contribute to that things that aren't wrong or aren't necessarily bad but maybe we need to reevaluate how can we actually be the gathered people of God under King Jesus who is our teacher so that we learn from him the truth and we share that together in a one another environment and we help people learn how to live his way so that we genuinely are a city set on a hill That's what I think ultimately the church is supposed to be. That's what I want the church to be. That's what uh, I long for the church to be, is to be that kind of place so that we, as a people, reflect God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's grace, God's truth back into the world, and we draw the world to God in Christ because of that. All right, man, there's a whole lot more that could be said. I'm sure I left out a a bunch of really important stuff, but I hope that's helpful uh, to, to answering that question. What does the Bible say the church is supposed to be like, and how is it supposed to function? Hey, thanks for tuning in once again to The Bible in Life, and thank you to all of you who are supporting this show, whether you give through the donate button on my website, through World Family Mission, or whether you give as a patron over on Patreon, my Patreon page, both those links will be down below. So if you're not supporting, uh, you can check that out. If you say, man, I really like this, I really, really like this, and I want to get behind this, you can do that by becoming a supporter in one of those two ways. But just thank you to all of you who do that in whatever way you can. means the world to me. The only way I'm able to have the time and the space to actually put together this podcast, put together Bible Teaching Courses on my website. Um, I'm working hard on the listeners' commentary and we're getting some things going there. The only way I'm able to have the time to do that is because uh, people step up and donate. And so, to all of you who are donating in one of those two ways, thank you a ton. It means the world to me. And who knows the difference it's making in the lives of people because we have listeners of this podcast all around the world. We had 76 downloads in Costa Rica last week. And so God is using your generosity to affect the lives of people and make disciples of Jesus all around the world. So thanks a ton for being a patron or a supporter through the donate button of uh, this podcast. May God bless you for it. And may God bless each and every one of you as you seek his face and follow Jesus and learn from him how to do life. May we be the gathered people of God, the church of Jesus. May we be disciples who live together according to his one another plan, and who speak the truth in love so that Jesus' name would be glorified. God bless you guys, and we'll talk again soon.